think that reverse mortgage interest is deductible? Think again. Understanding liquidity and as HELOCs disappear, homeowners seek alternatives. These are your top reverse mortgage news stories for the week of July 20th. I'm your host, Shannon Hicks, and you're listening to Heckam World Weekly, the nation's only weekly podcast for the reverse mortgage professional. Welcome back. We've got a power-packed show for you today. We've got a lot to cover, but before we dive in, I want to encourage you to go to heckamworld.com if you're not there already. We have part two, our conclusion of our exclusive interview with Tom O'Donohue, and he shares what I think is one of the best things I've ever heard. The one question you should be asking on each and every sales appointment. So don't miss that episode again at heckamworld.com if you're not there already. Now on to our first story. You think that reverse mortgage interest is deductible or are you telling borrowers that? Well, think again. This according to a credible.com article by Darla Ulig. The IRS mortgage interest deduction can reduce your taxable income, as we know, allowing you to write off the interest you pay in your home if it exceeds your standard deductions. If you took out your mortgage before December 16, 2017 and used it to buy, build, or improve your home, then you are able to deduct that interest that you paid up to the first $1 million. If you took it out after December 15, 2017, then your cash at 750000 So let's talk about some of the items outlined in the article that speak to the mortgage interest deductibility. One, the mortgage debt is secured. It has to be secured by a home. And that means that it must be the collateral for the loan. And it must be your primary residence or your second home. Now, if it's secured by a second home that you rent out, you may still be able to deduct the interest, but only if you use the home enough days during the year, according to the IRS. Now, the following costs are not considered interest, so you cannot include them in your mortgage interest deduction. And one that they note in the article is reverse mortgage interest. Can you believe it? The IRS considers interest that accrues on a reverse mortgage, writes Ulig, to be home equity debt, which is not deductible. Now, to confirm this, I reached out to my friend Jim Veal, a name perhaps that you've heard, a reverse mortgage professional, former CPA, and also who has his master's in taxation. I reached out to Jim, and here are some of his comments to our show. The author is correct that the IRS is currently saying just that. One can find the wording in the 2019 edition of the IRS publication 936. You can find that at irs.gov. But like all humans, even the IRS personnel can be wrong, and they are wrong in this case. Now, until the tax year 2026, only acquisition interest is currently deductible as home mortgage interest on Schedule A. And folks, Schedule A is where you itemize your deductions. Acquisition indebtedness is defined as indebtedness that is, quote, incurred in acquiring, constructing, or substantially improving any qualified residence. Underline that word qualified. Now, for example, Veal says, if a $500,000 of the reverse mortgage debt does qualify as acquisition indebtedness, and the interest rate is 6%, the home mortgage deduction is limited to a $30,000 deduction for that year, but only if it was paid in that year. And how many people are actually making payments on the reverse mortgage? Very few. If that interest was not paid in that tax year, it will be deductible in the tax year it is paid. And we've been told in the past that's usually when the loan is terminated and the home is sold to repay the loan balance. 
In Veal's concluding remarks, he gives this timeless advice, which is always advise the client to seek a tax professional who is experienced and knowledgeable about reverse mortgages and the deduction of interest. And finding a tax professional who knows the ins and outs of reverse mortgages may be a challenge, so you're going to have to ask around. As HELOCs disappear, homeowners seek alternatives, writes Peter G. Miller in his promotional piece in Bankrate. He says, if you're thinking of using a home equity line of credit to save your finances during the COVID-19 pandemic, you may want to proceed with caution. What's happening in the market is likely to surprise a lot of homeowners, he writes. American homeowners are sitting on trillions of dollars in tappable equity, and according to Black Knight, the amount available to homeowners that have a mortgage to borrow against before reaching the maximum combined loan-to-value ratio, 80%, that increased 8% annually in the first quarter of the year to an all-time high of $6.5 trillion. Just to insert my own personal commentary here, banks are not going to sell you an umbrella when it's raining. Perhaps they'll do it in a heat wave. And Miller writes, in normal times, the combination of having low interest rates and increasing home values would elate the mortgage lenders. But these are not normal times due to the pandemic. And the issue with HELOCs is that they're traditionally a second position loan. Now, in the event of a foreclosure where there's plenty of equity, both the first and the second position mortgage, the HELOC in this case, are paid back. But if home values actually begin to fall or they remain flat, such as they did during 2008 and 9, then things are different, writes Miller. In a foreclosure, the lender with the first loan must be completely paid off before a lender in the second position gets a dime. So that leads us to the ultimate question. What are the alternatives to a HELOC? Well, you can get a home equity loan, a second mortgage where the borrower receives all funds at closing, or you can get a reverse mortgage if you're over the age of 62. Glad to see that included. Use a cash out refinance and replace your existing mortgage with a new and larger loan, which today may be the ideal time because interest rates are incredibly low. We're seeing 30 year fixed rate mortgages, by the way, folks, at 3% or just below 3%. Or you could sell the property and move to a less expensive community. And here's another story you can put in your quiver when you're meeting with potential borrowers. In addition to discussing HELOCs, let's talk about liquidity. And for that, we turn to Forbes in their recent column by contributing columnist Miranda Marquit. Now, she spells out liquid assets very clearly. And so I'm going to go into some of the details provided. One is they include cash, of course, but they also include other assets that can be quickly converted into cash without losing value. And that's an important point to make. You always want to have some of your assets assets liquid so you can cover living expenses. So what is liquidity? She says it describes your ability to exchange that asset for cash and the easier you can convert it, the more liquid it is. And cash is considered king when it comes to liquid assets, but it can also lose value due to inflation. Other liquid assets include treasury bonds, certificates of deposits or CDs, even stocks and precious metals. Now, when it comes to precious metals, they can be both liquid and illiquid. Some states allow certain gold and silver coins to be used as currency, which could mean actually it's legal tender. And physical precious metal can also be exchanged via a dealer 
for a cash or a wire into one's account. Now, real estate is considered highly or exclusively illiquid. As I like to say, the cash is trapped into bricks and mortar of the home. It doesn't mean that you'll never get cash for it, but it can be more challenging. So what happens with real estate? It can take weeks or months, as we know, or sometimes even years to sell the property. And the market may go down during that time, and that equity could disappear quickly. Now, many financial advisors recommend that you have at least three to six months of expenses in liquid assets for an emergency fund. And that's a question we should be asking each potential reverse mortgage borrower. What are their liquid assets? This comes down to fact finding. Do you know what assets the homeowner has today, what their sources of income are? Will those sources of income be there tomorrow if one spouse dies? And would they see a reduction in household income? Next, let's talk about tax advantaged accounts. And she actually says that 401ks or IRAs, individual retirement accounts, and even health savings accounts can be considered liquid assets because they can be converted and with some tax penalties in some situations be used as cash. But there are penalties for their use before the age of retirement, oftentimes for an IRA or 401k or even an annuity that's before the age of 59 and a half. However, as part of the CARES Act, she writes, you can withdraw up to $100,000 from those tax advantage retirement accounts penalty free if you can document or state that you're facing a coronavirus related financial hardship. The bottom line is don't get into the tax penalties or the tax deductibility of certain accounts, but always be asking the question, what are their liquid assets? What are their long-term investment values? You want to get a general idea of their overall financial health or distress when you're meeting with that potential borrower. And that concludes another episode of Heckam World Weekly, the nation's only weekly podcast for the reverse mortgage professional. That's you. You can also listen to this podcast and subscribe on iTunes if you're so inclined. That way you can stream this from your mobile device. And don't forget, if you're not there already, you can go to heckamworld.com. That's where you can find our weekly video commentary, analysis, our monthly top 100 lenders report, and weekly articles. Thanks again for joining us, and be sure to return next week for more reverse mortgage news on the go.